The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This episode of the Platinum Sombrero is brought to you by the Bridges and Hose Pants Emporium. Are your jeans obscene? Do you look whack in your slacks? Come on down to Bridges and Hose and choose from a wide variety of legwear. We also offer on-site embroidery in case you want to look especially ridiculous. And if you've got a rip in your drawers, Bridges and Hose can be stitching your clothes. We'll put new stitches in your britches. Located downtown, we're right next to the Pitches and Throws batting cage. Remember, britches ain't shit, but leader hose and tricks. now get ready this is the platinum sombrero podcast with your hosts dylan short and adam doc herbert Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero. Very special edition. It is the opening day edition. Finally, baseball's back. And I mean real baseball, not that pretend crap that you get during March. Real baseball's back. Obviously, you guys all watch the game. Um, We're going to get to that in a second. For some incredible reason, we actually have something more to talk about. Something that I feel is more important than opening day, which should let you know a little bit of something. Um, So we're going to lead into that. Before we get into any of that stuff, I do have to say that uh, we are going to announce our contest winner this episode. So congratulations to our winner. We're going to say that at the end. So unfortunately, you have to stay tuned all the way through the end of the episode to to hear who won. Um, But even before then, we liked this contest so much. You guys all put forth such great videos. uh, And it was really it was really a ton of turnout for it that we really appreciated. You, you guys really, you have no idea how hard it was to pick a winner out of this group. I thought everybody did phenomenally, um, but it's something we're going to keep going. And uh, I guess it's, it's, you know, it's good time to unveil this. Uh, Doc and I are going to set up a Patreon for the show. We haven't done it yet, but we're going to do it at some point this season. Um, and we're going to tie a lot of the contest into some of the Patreon stuff because we really, really want to get a lot more of the listeners involved, especially if, if every video that we, if everybody's contribution we get is as good as the videos that we got for this contest, then then it's just flat out amazing. And I'm fully convinced that our show has the best listeners uh, and the smartest listeners. So that is definitely something that we're going to keep going and keep doing. Um, 
But stay tuned to the end. We'll give you our contest winner. Uh, we'll remind you of the dates of when it's going to happen. Uh, and you can feel free to DM us after after you realize that you win. And we'll talk through all the details then. But, Doc, yes. you had a religious experience, I guess we could say. <laughs> yeah, I um, it was my, my first ever time. Uh, having a, a real run-in with a with a full-on conspiracy theorist. A little little bit of context. My my wife and I were uh, were downtown for our anniversary this past weekend, and she wound up having to go down to the airport. She's uh, she's working out of town this week, and, and I had to get an Uber home. So I uh, had a guy come and come and pick me up, and uh, this guy looked exactly exactly like Jason Hayward. And, and we hit it off immediately. We're like talking about Miles Davis and, and IT certifications and working from home and all these different things. And he mentions to me that he's a he's a Freemason. And uh, I said, well, that's that's interesting. Most most of the time when you hear about Freemasons anymore, it's like it's just on the history channel. You don't hear a whole lot about active Freemasonry anymore. So I, uh, in a very innocuous fashion, asked what it entails to be a Freemason anymore. And he gave me a couple minutes worth of lip service of, about what it means. And then, then just said, well, one thing I can do is I can let you in on a little secret. And when somebody you've known for about four minutes tells you that they're going to let you in on a little secret, you probably <laughs> owe it to yourself to pay attention. And uh, he says, uh, so nobody's ever been to outer space. I'm like, well, that kind of came out of nowhere, I, I suppose. And he said, well, one thing that they have taught me, while I'm uh, in the course of being a Freemason, is that, uh, you know, nobody has ever been to outer space. Moon landing was faked. The Challenger explosion was faked. And I'm like, there were people at that? I, I know there were a lot of people at that. Um, that's that's kind of weird. And, he, and apparently, there, uh, Earth is like a snow globe. There is a 100-mile thick uh, glass dome that is essentially just keeping us in uh, from from exploring uh, all of the rest of the the cosmos and everything. Aliens are real. I don't know how he would know that that we know that because you know we can't get out, but they can apparently get in. Um, and so we have this quick conversation, and I'm like, okay, well that's interesting. And then he says, do you want me to tell you something else? And I and immediately I look up yes. at the at the phone, and I'm like, I got 28 minutes left in this ride, so. Give me everything you got. I can tell this is about to be really good. So I learned the following things, and I promise we're going to get to baseball in just one second. But I learned the following things. Um, only one quarter of Antarctica is actually covered by ice. The rest of it is actually a utopia with woolly mammoths, dinosaurs, and 20-foot-tall people. Um, every single year, uh, every world leader will meet in Antarctica to receive our orders uh, from these 20 feet tall people, they are basically the puppet masters of this of the entire world. Um, Barack Obama was created in a lab using the DNA of Amenhotep, uh, who was a, a pharaoh like a long, long time ago. Uh, Donald Trump is actually dead and has been replaced by a lookalike, uh, a la Paul McCartney. Or <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought that up. I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, it's it's one of those, or it's like Kevin Klein in the movie Dave. Um, the, the wall that Trump is building is, is not to keep people out. It's to keep us in because the Canadian government is going to wage war on us. It's like they're the most friendly people in the world. They are not coming for us. Of all the people that I'm worried about, it is not Canada, I swear. So and this he just keeps going. He keeps going. Uh, so long story short, 
invest in CB radios because they're going to nuke the grid and that's going to be the only way that we can communicate with each other. So um, moral of the story, everybody's crazy. Y'all stick together. Are so, you, have you changed your views? Have you, uh, have you been converted? Oh, a hundred percent. I'm flat earth all day long. And uh, you know, since, uh, since the earth is apparently flat, it's very easy to get to the green part of Antarctica. So um, we're not going to Italy anymore. Like the contest winner, instead of, of, uh, of that happening while we're in Italy, I'm going to be down south, deep, deep south, South Pole type business. I only ask that you live stream this so the world can know the truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, instead of riding a gondola in Venice, we are going to ride a Stegosaurus in Antarctica. <laughs> yeah. It is. Uh, it is true. Did you get the real question? What did you rate him? Mm, five stars. He let me use his ox cable. <laughs> is that an instant five star? Oh, it's it's immediate. You know, Patrick Weigel, when we had him on, he was talking about being the being a five star Uber driver and that and that's the key. Ever since that moment, if he even offers it, even if I don't take it, it's like you're all right by me. Even even if you're crazy. I do have to know? ask this before we get to opening day. Did you have fish playing while he's telling these conspiracy stories? Well, you know, I said that, that we were talking about uh talking about Miles Davis and uh and I put on an album that he actually was not familiar with. So, so that is, that is what we were listening to. It was very ominous, very, very <laughs> ominous. Set the tone. Oh, that is, that is wonderful. Uh, if you guys want to know any more about that, you guys are going to have to do the, the work yourselves. The truth is out there is all I'm going to tell you. Uh, but unfortunately we do have to, uh, we do have to move off of that story. Uh, I, I keep praying. Like all I get is Jehovah's witness. Like I don't get, I had some Mormons come up one time and, uh, got into some of that with them, which was a little odd. I'll detail that on another episode. Um, always very nice people. I've never gotten a true crazy person, like a crazy crazy. I keep hoping that'll happen, but uh, you know what they say? If you've never met a crazy person, chances are you are the crazy person. And I never get the chance to venture out into public, you know, work, working from home. I Sans wife. Existence. I, I, I owed it to myself to let this guy completely blow my mind. I mean, you were off the leash and this is what happens like day one off the leash. Right. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't have architected it any better than this. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we can uh, continue something on that. That would be awesome. If any of you guys are flat earthers, by the way, we would love to hear from you. That would be a fun conversation. But we did mention opening day started today. Unfortunately for the Braves, it did not go the way that we all wanted. Uh, Ten to four is the final score. Uh, very hard, very hard fought game through most of it. Julio Tehran with a very with a line that is very deceptive because if you just if you didn't see the game, if you only got to watch online or kind of keep up with the uh, game cast, you're not going to really understand the line that Julio had. Uh, he went uh, five innings. Yeah, here it is. I'm sorry. Five innings, four hits, three earned runs, two walks, seven strikeouts, and gave up a homer. That home run came in the very first at-bat. There was a 2-0 pitch, uh, kind of grooved a fastball, and Al, uh, Andrew McCutcheon did not miss it, like, at all. Completely clobbered it. And a uh, very ominous start to the to the day. After that, though, Julio really settled in. What was it, Doc? I believe the next nine in a row he sat down? Uh, yeah, yeah, he was... Uh... You could tell he's got the jitters. I mean, if, if we all know that, that Julio's got his, his first inning troubles, then Julio definitely knows that they exist, you know? But as soon as um, he didn't roll over, he, did, he didn't uh, didn't let it get too deep to him. So, yeah, he was on a roll after after a little bit. I mean, by normal Julio standards, that was actually a very good first inning. Yeah, he gave up the leadoff homer, but better, better to be with nobody on than him walking a player. 
Uh, but he goes in there. He actually had the seven strikeouts. The, the big thing about Julio is he put on a lot of weight this offseason. Uh, 18 pounds worth of muscle really got into the weight room. And it showed in this fastball. He was consistently 92 mile an hour today. Uh, he ramped one up to 94. His fastest strike was a 93, but ramped one up to 94. He was sitting consistently that 91-92 range, which that's the sweet spot for Julio. If he's sitting 92, then his changeup is going to be that much better because it's going to be a true 10 mile an hour difference. If he's sitting 86 or 87, then that changeup is only about a five-mile difference, and he has to put it where he needs to. But it wasn't really the changeup today. You know, Doc, whenever you and I talk about Julio, we always say that the changeup is kind of like the key pitch for him, especially against lefties. But today it really wasn't. Today it was the the slider he had. It was, it was working great. He had a lot of movement on it. He was varying the speeds on it. Um, you and I saw a bunch of it, and, and you can kind of see the influence of Rick Kranitz already. Uh, you and I got to watch all of it. So when you're looking at that line, I thought that this was one of Julio's better starts in a long time. What do you think? No, I, I'll agree. the The slider looked really crisp, and uh, and the fastball velocity is the biggest thing. Like we we would see starts last year where he didn't hit 90 at all, or or if he did, it would be maybe maybe once or twice. So so to see him dialing it up to 94 is you know he he doesn't he doesn't look huge up up top but his legs are, are so much stronger like so much of what he did was uh was in his bottom half and 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 so much of pitching actually comes from the legs which is which is kind of counterintuitive but uh but yeah any separation that he can get but between his pitches you know what i mean to increase the effectiveness and and kind of keep hitters off balance um the it was just the the two walks and one of which was uh was an intentional walk so his line looks worse than it actually was. And, and he wasn't, you know, he's still not a number one, you know, but he, he did a serviceable job today. Uh, bullpen wound up undoing a lot of that good <laughs> stuff, but, but this is, this is something to build on for Julio. You know what I mean? And the, the rotation is going to shift and, and be modified throughout the season. So this is the first time, the only time probably that it's going to be blatant that he's like masquerading as a number one. I mean, if it hadn't been for a Dansby Swanson error in the third inning, it could have been a totally different line and a totally different game because that third inning is where it kind of unraveled for Julio a little bit. Uh, that's where he gave up uh, gave up two of the three runs that he gave up. Uh, it was a it was a ball hit kind of in the hole to short. Uh, Gene Segura batting and Dansby went and slid. Looked like he kind of overstepped with his with his plant leg. So the trailing leg that's on the ground came up a little bit too quick on him, almost tripped him up. Freddie was unable to dig out the throw, and that put a runner on second. Uh, wild pitch, which got Segura to third, and he almost tight walked out of it. He struck out Bryce Harper, then he struck out Reese Hoskins. Uh, then, I, then was the walk, the first walk of the day for Julio was to JT Romuto, uh, and then it was uh, Odubel Herrera just found a spot where defenders weren't and just kind of grounded one up the about a two hopper up the middle to to get the scoring started there. Uh, Cesar Hernandez came up. Came up and uh, placed one down the line in left field to score another run. Was it? I believe it was a thirty pitch inning in that third inning for Julio. Outside of that third inning, Julio was masterful. And even in that one, seven strikeouts we talked about. They weren't just like give me strikeouts. Like they were, they were good strikeouts. A lot of sw- uh, swinging strikeouts and his two seamer. He was backdooring a lot of people with that two seam. He really did go toe to toe with Aaron Nola today. And if it weren't for that, for that one error. I think we look at the two lines, and I would say that we might think that Julio outpitched Nola. It, it was a, it was a different version of Julio than the twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, and there were a couple of absolutely 
blatant non-strike calls. You know what I mean? Like he was getting. Yeah, there was a lot of the roaming strike zone today that a lot of calls that Nola got that Julio didn't get the same benefit of the doubt on. But you're going to get that when you've got a a Cy Young caliber pitcher going up against a normal guy. And to be totally fair to Aaron Nola, I'm sure he was happy because he did hit that same spot consistently, which you've always heard is the key to getting the outside strike is if you hit the same spot continuously then the umpire is more likely to kind of give you a little bit off the plate. And to be fair to Aaron Nola, he did hit that same spot for probably a good three innings worth until it finally started getting called. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, But when it's happening that early in the game, because the first inning or so was bad for both of them, and then the next couple innings seemed worse for Julio than for Nola. But uh, and it, it's the easy thing to do is when your team loses, you can you can always fall back on blaming the ump or, or blaming the ref or whatever. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is this is a good one to build on. This is one out of 162. Ideally, uh, Julio is going to wind up staying healthy for for another full year, and you know, so this is one start out of 30 or 31 for him. So, um, I'm I'm pleased. You never want to see the home runs. You never want to see the the first inning issues, but. Sometimes things are what they are. I've said it a thousand times on this show. Um, consistency is more important than uh, than being dominant sometimes, if, as long as you know what you're going to get out of somebody. And, I mean, the other, the other, if you want to take another silver lining, Bryce Harper, who has absolutely cleaned Julio in his career, the two biggest signings or the two biggest acquisitions for Philadelphia, Bryce Harper and JT Real Muto, they were the only two Philly starters who were hitless in this game. Julio did a really, really masterful job against Bryce Harper. Struck about twice, actually. Uh, he did a great job against JT Real Muto as well. I mean, it, it was to me, this was exactly what I needed to see out of Julio. I don't think that I've ne- I'm not going to think he's a number one or anything, but if this is the type of Julio Tehran start you can get game in and game out, that is a very, very solid option to be the fourth or fifth guy in your rotation, or even the third if you have to. It's a it's going to help so much to be able to know that you can run him out there and he can give you that type of line. The question is going to be, how does he look at home? Because for the most part, Tehran has been better on the road than at home since the Braves have moved to SunTrust. But for Julio Tehran, it's a quick check mark. It's an outstanding job for him. It's an outstanding first audition for Julio. The problem was who came after. Uh, Shane Carl comes in, did not look good, uh, gave up three runs on an absolute bomb to Michael Franco. Uh, that was the worst part there. He comes out. They burned Wes Parsons for one out, which I kind of thought was a little odd. I thought maybe he's going to come out the next inning. He did not. They brought in Luke Jackson, who promptly gave up a grand slam to Reese Hoskins and bing, bang, boom. It's a 10 to, it was a 10 to three game at that point or 10 to four. I'm sorry. When Parsons got that out, the Braves scored another run in the bottom of the sixth, bottom of the sixth. They score a run. Uh, then they bring in Luke Jackson, who promptly, puts the game out of reach by giving up a grand slam to Reese Hoskins. Yeah, neither of those home runs were, were cheapies. And and the, the biggest thing, Anthopoulos just reiterated this last, this last week, you know, we're going to bring the guys who can throw strikes. Carl comes in immediately, like the first batter he faces all season. He walks him. And then Parsons has to come in and bail him out of that inning. And then they bring in Luke Jackson to start the next one. And he immediately walks the first guy that he sees. It's like, um, I'm not really one to complain about the offseason, but could we have done anything with Luke Jackson? Literally anything. My mother-in-law was here two weeks ago, and we were watching him when the Braves played the Red Sox, and she saw Luke Jackson pitch, and she's like, I don't know anything about baseball, but this guy sucks. I'm like, you are right. Luke Jackson sucks. And I think that that's kind of the main point right there. 
when you like the Braves should not have been in the position with the wealth of of reliever talent with the with how many good relievers were out there. They should not have been in a position where Shane Carl and Luke Jackson were coming in to the game because whether or not, you know, the Braves signed Kimbrell, which they still very well may. As far as I could tell right now, it's it's between Milwaukee and Atlanta. We'll see who wants to meet the asking price. Uh, today was a good day for, for Craig Kimball's agent. It was a really good day for his agent. Uh, but as far as that goes, there were we've, we've detailed a ton of these guys, whether it's Kelvin Herrera. Adam Ottavino was always going to go to New York, but Zach Britton, David Robertson, who came in and pitched for, for them today, Trevor Rosenthal, who got signed in October of, 20, of uh, 2018, yeah. Who, who looked really good in spring training. Justin Wilson, Adam Warren. There were a ton of guys that I felt that the Braves really missed the boat on by not adding to that bullpen. That, to me, is going to be the biggest key because I've said this, and I don't know if we've said this on air. We probably have, but Doc and I talk all the time, as you guys can probably tell. And we've talked about this before, that the Braves' bullpen is kind of like there. there's a lot of bodies that can be in that bullpen, but none of them are significantly different from each other. They're all kind of in that same range of, of outcomes. Like there's not a, there's not an elite guy in that bullpen uh, outside of Luke Jackson. They all probably can be a major league reliever, but there's just not a lot of guys who really stand out from the crowd. And that's where I think you really miss the boat because you could have gotten somebody, even if you wanted to still keep mentor as your closer, you could have added a Dries Familia. You could have added a Kelvin Herrera. You could have added an Adam Warren. And all it would have done is it would have pushed those guys down a slot and it makes your bullpen depth that much better. It's not necessarily about becoming elite at the top as far as it is becoming deep in the bullpen and not just deep player standards, but deep talent wise where you have four or five, six guys who can come in and do the same type of job. We'll see how Jesse Biddle does this season. I'm hoping for the Braves sake that he takes a huge jump this year because I think he's really going to be needed. The other worrying thing to me, and Doc's going to have to talk me off this ledge because if you guys have been on my Twitter feed at all, you know this is my biggest thing from the offseason. Max Freed gets burned in a 10-4 to game, which I, I don't understand it. You had Biddle in there. If you just wanted a lefty, I don't know why you didn't use Biddle. Now, Doc's going to try to calm me down a little bit. But for me, after Ma- after the spring that Max Freed has, I've been adamant that Max Freed should have been in a rotation spot already, and he's tentatively announced as the sixth starter unless he has to have unless he has to be used in relief. Game one, you have to use him in relief. That's not a good sign to me. No, and and I I kind of had the same same thought. If it if it had been any inning other than the bottom of the eighth with the Phillies with a really comfortable lead then I'm that I might have questioned it because there would have been the the chance that he would have gone multiple innings but I think it was just kind of one of those th- they know that that with Bryce coming in on pitching Saturday and then Wright pitching on on Sunday that there's going to be an opportunity for them to to need to use like a Josh Tomlin type to to eat a couple innings, even even somebody like Shane Carl who or or, or Biddle that has proven that they can they can pitch multiple innings if they have to. Uh, for Freed, I think that since the other night with the exhibition game against the Reds, he just did two innings and and they pulled him. I think this might be just to keep him fresh. Um, and even the inning that he did have was clean. And I think what did he throw like nine pitches? Maybe you know he was he was in and out of there really quick. So. For now, I don't think that this necessarily jeopardizes the the fact that he's going to start uh, against the Cubs next Thursday. I think everything should be fine there. I hope I hope nothing nothing changes there because I'm supposed to be at that game. And uh, but yeah, I, I don't I don't think there's anything to worry about now. But I will say that if he pitches any more in this series, um, I, I think that they're going to start looking at somebody else to uh, to fill that role. 
on Thursday. If and if that happens, I'm sorry to tell you all right now. I will be going nuclear. Uh, and and rightfully so. I'm I'm right there with you on the Freed as a starter train, and I hate the fact that that he's been kind of relegated to to fifth. I I do think that if they weren't trying to stack so many righties up top and uh, against Philadelphia, then things would have looked a little bit different. But um, but this this is where we are. They they don't look different because they because they were trying to stack those righties up against each other. So, and th- this is similar with Freed. It's similar to what I was just saying about Julio. Like the only time that the rotation actually matters is the first time. That's how you clearly define that Julio's your one and Bryce is your two and all of that. It just sets the order. But as things start to shuffle, you get some off days in there and there's going to be some six starters in there. Then they eventually just kind of become a, a pool of guys to where and if you've got somebody like Tukey, um, or, you know, heaven forbid you have to wind up calling somebody like Andres Santiago to come make a spot start or something like that, then then it'll wind up getting shuffled. So I think Freed's better than a five. I know that. You know that. The Braves probably know that, too. It's just the way that it shook out for the, for the first week of the season. Well, see, that's, that's the problem I have with it, though, because you're saying that, oh, the Braves probably know he's better than a five. If they know that, though, then why is he in the bullpen? And for anybody that says, well, you know, he's too valuable to move out of the pen – that's why you had the offseason to add all of these bullpen guys. That way you wouldn't have to to move a valuable starter into the pen. Not, like you I'm not I'm going to try I'm really going to try not to freak out because it is just opening day. It's Thursday and he doesn't pitch again for over a week. So I'm going to really try not to to get, you know, too upset about it, but it is one of those things where now you're kind of you're setting me up anyway to to be very upset with it. I'm hoping against hope that it doesn't happen and Freed's allowed his chance to actually shine. Uh, but as it is, without getting too angry this episode, uh, there are some other points to, to talk about. Dansby Swanson had a uh, had a pretty decent day, hit the ball hard. Um, and it's just further proof of what he's done this offseason. We talked about it. You guys know that Dansby's not my number one guy, clearly. Uh, but opening the stance up, lowering the hands is big for him. It looks very reminiscent of Andrew McCutcheon's stance. Uh, he's letting the ball travel a lot further, so hopefully what that's going to do is allow his batter's eye to kind of recognize the pitches a little bit better. Doc's talked about this before, and I've talked about it too. Sometimes you can't just look at a stat line. You have to look at how a player's actually performing to really get a gauge of have there been changes. And in Dansby's case, all spring long, he's hit the ball extremely hard. Even if he's not always getting base hits with it, that stuff, that's Babbitt. That's bad luck. That stuff will start to fall. We saw what happened with Chris Johnson when you have a great season of, of a ton of luck. This is kind of the opposite direction. Those will start to fall as long as he's keeping the same approach. Um, and if if Dansby does carry his spring into the regular season, I talked about this on the Locked On podcast, the Locked On Braves. By the way, thank you guys so much to who was listening to that show. You guys uh, pushed me up into one of the top of the Locked On podcasts. You guys helped me out this week a lot and very thankful to that. Very, very thankful for you guys. Uh, if you guys want to check that out, I'll have some post-game coverage of just my thoughts coming up there in a little bit later. But more importantly, Doc, you and I have talked about as much as I don't like Dansby, if Dansby can be even an average hitter, it's such a boon for the Braves. Yeah, and and he this this is like the make or break season for him. He knows he's got Johan Camargo like right begging to take his job from him. You know what I mean? There's so many different scenarios where you could see this being the last time that, that Dansby is a starter for the Braves. So whether you know changing his stance and having a healthy wrist and even even the tiny little things like like the error that happened 
against Philadelphia that, that led to that mini rally that they had in the third or fourth inning. I mean, stuff like that is going to really stick out. But he all spring was just – you don't put stock in spring training stats, but if somebody was making weak contact for a large part of the year and then they come into spring training and they are tattooing the ball every time they make contact with it, that you pay attention to. And from the very first time he came up, that game against the Yankees where he hit that rocket right off of Steven Tarpley, you know, it, it goes, it just goes as an out. But I mean, he's, he's hitting the ball hard, which is what's important for him. And at this point, it's just process over results. You keep hitting the ball hard. It's going to find a hole here and there. In his 2017 was the start of that year for him was really, really tough because he was hitting rockets, but he was hitting them right at people for like five or six straight weeks. And I think that that really kind of damages confidence some. And uh, and then last year he was he was hitting them hard, but they started falling. And but then he hurt his wrist in that game in Chicago. So his value is so unclear. You know what I mean? Like whether whether he's playing through injury or, or whether whatever it is, there's a, a thousand reasons why he hasn't solidified himself as being like the long term guy. But you know the the change in the stance really does seem to, seem to be working. Um, it's such a minuscule amount of time that you actually have to decide to hit the ball. So if he's keeping his hands back and he's, he's like, he's giving himself just the tiniest, tiniest little bit more decision-making time that that's huge. And he's hitting the two opposite field home runs were were really big for him. So still early, but, uh, he had about a quarter of the Braves hits today. So, so, um, it's a good start. You know, this, this is the overreaction edition. We only have we only have one episode to really pin right. our hopes. We're obviously we're going zero and one sixty two. Well, uh, it it depends on on which side you want to. You know, I'll take the optimistic side. We're going to go one hundred and sixty one and one. You know, we'll never lose again after today. We're going to be worse than the twenty eighteen Baltimore Orioles. Uh, well, that's that's going to be hard. But hey, uh, tanking is in vogue now, so uh, maybe maybe we never really stop tanking after all. We're it's all a master plan to get Adley Rutschman. It's we should have tanked last year then. <laughs> I mean, to be to you know all jokes aside, it is you. It is so important not to buy to uh, buy too heavily into really anything up until like the end of the first month because just because you guys played spring training or just because they played spring training, it's different when you're facing the major league guys live and everybody's live. Uh, it's a little bit different. So really, the first month people get their timing in, um, and 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 you can't judge too harshly. On the flip side of that coin, when you do have a division that's going to be as tight as the National League East, there is an imperative to be on your A game quicker, especially if you're the team that I still kind of feel missed the boat a little bit as far as separating from the rest of the pack in the offseason. So you and I are going to have to walk a fine line between not overreacting because it's early and not underselling because of how tight this division is going to be. Oh, I mean, make make no doubt about it. I mean, for as tight as this game or this division is going to be, this one particular game can kind of make or break. You know, that's when you're starting against the division rival. You know, then it's uh, this game could wind up being being kind of meaningful late in the season. But there's a lot more time to correct things now than than later later on in the season. So you're right. We we do have to be careful to kind of toe that line. You you do have to take everything with a bit of a grain of salt, but you can start to see certain patterns emerge, but you know, look at Ozzy Albies last year. He had 10 home runs in April 
And then that's just who he kind of became, you know, but it even took a while for that pattern to establish itself. So I will do my best to talk you off of ledges as long as you uh, do your best to talk me off of mine. How about that? I fully promise to do that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to start off talking about whether uh, whether we were surprised by any of the the roster additions. Uh, then we're going to go broad. We're going to talk about uh, the the Major League Baseball season as a whole, who we expect to win, who we expect to lose, uh, blah, 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 all that good stuff. Uh, then we're going to get into – we're going to open up the vault to our – early free agent edition predictions. We're going to see which one of us won who lost and whether or not we can still claim a winner yet. Uh, we're also going to announce the winner to our contest. So stick around. Hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the platinum sombrero. This week's episode of the platinum sombrero podcast is brought to you by celebrity mugshot ping pong paddles. If you're looking to dominate at some table tennis with some relative detainment, you need a celebrity mugshot ping pong paddle. Bring your A-game with these shameful remnants of debauchery, including the certified Nick Nolte paddle. Mash backhands with an official Charlie Sheen. Run up the score on your buddies with our best-selling line of Flavor Flaves. And if you're playing in a tournament, you know you can use a separate Lindsay Lohan paddle for every single opponent. Celebrity mugshot ping pong paddles. Put some shame in your game. Patent pending. Welcome back to the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by Armchair All-Americans and the Ruling Truth Network, and sponsored by our good friends over at TickSplits. TickSplits is the number one place to go if you want to get a good ticket for a game without paying those exorbitant seat fees, you know, those dumb little things you buy from Ticketmaster or SeatGeek. You go to the checkout, and all of a sudden you see a $25 charge for every ticket, just for the privilege of buying online. TickSplits is smarter than that. They know how stupid that is, so they just did away with it. They, they know that if you're already paying... If you got a family of four, you're paying at least $100 to go for a good seat to a baseball game. Why add an extra $100 just in seat fees? So TickSplits does away with that. All you got to do is use our promo code armchair. And not only are you not going to pay a seat fee, you're also going to get 5% off your ticket purchase, your ticket price at checkout. TickSplits is the number one place to go. There, there's no reason for you not to check them out. I mean, even if you don't, even if you decide to go with somebody else, you might as well check out TickSplits and see what everybody's raving about. They are taking over the. They're actually they're they're really doing a great job. They're really phenomenal to work with. Really enjoy TickSplits, especially if you don't go to games solo. I mean, saving fifty bucks is saving fifty bucks, man. Go to TickSplits.com, use our promo code Armchair and get five percent off of your total ticket purchase. Now. Before the break, we told you exactly what we're going to run down in this. You guys should have been paying attention, so we're not going to tell you what we're doing again. Um, we're just going to go right into it. So I'm going to ask you, Doc. After we kind of got the uh, the Braves play this really, really close to the vest, like as far as they didn't want to let people talk about it in post-game interviews, like literally until the 11th hour when they had to make a roster, were there any surprises to you for the Braves opening day roster? Uh, honestly, I've... My punching bag is always Luke Jackson. Uh, I was convinced that he was going to wind up. If there was no room for Sam Freeman, then there was there's no room for Luke Jackson. And I was just gobsmacked that he wound up making the OD roster. Um, and then after today's game, you'll you'll see why. 
Um, but beyond that, I mean, the last year you saw Anibal Sanchez uh, as and Ryan Flaherty is like, like kind of the late addition. So this year, seeing Josh Tomlin and Matt Joyce get added at the end of spring training and, and dropped on because they they weren't comfortable carrying Freeman or or Adam Duvall. Um, it's it's not so much a surprise that 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 scenario happened, but it being those particular guys, I I, I would have never guessed them. You surprised um, that they carried Luke Jackson over Dan Winkler? Uh, I think that's got to do with options. I th- I think it it really really has to. Um, Winkler getting getting smashed against the, the Mets in his last spring training outing, and he was dealing with some elbow stuff early in spring training. I don't know if they're just trying to give him a little more time. You know, like they know that they're going to bring him up soon, but. Uh, they just wanted to kind of let him uh, passively heal a little bit more, something like that. I, I don't know for sure. But um, the fact that, that Jackson's still around is just troubling. But I will say, Wes Parsons, what a that's like a really awesome, awesome story. Really great surprise to have him there. And he was he's a Grapefruit League Cy Young. So he really shouldn't be a surprise after the spring he put up 15, 15 innings, 17 strikeouts, one walk, scoreless the whole time. For a guy that was an undrafted free agent, it's an incredible story. He's a guy that kind of got dicked around with Atlanta last year. He got he was he rode that Gwinnett shuttle maybe more than anybody else. Uh, remember the first time he got called up, he didn't even get to go in the game. So he got called up, didn't get used, went right back down to Gwinnett. Uh, he kind of at some points last year in his first call, he did look a little overmatched. But he comes in this spring and he's really making a point to hit corners instead of kind of leaving stuff over the middle and to use his changeup a lot more effectively. Uh, he got in. Uh, he got in on Thursday to just to polish off an inning. Looked good doing it. Uh, strikeout, swing and strikeout on. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Was it Harper? I don't know no who idea. it was. I don't know who it was, I, but it was I, a lefty. I kind of zoned out by that point. It was a lefty, <laughs> which was good to see. It was a strikeout on a uh, on a changeup on a two strike changeup, which was good to see. Uh, just, it's a great thing to see guys like Parsons take their opportunity and run with it for a guy that I believe is twenty six years old, undrafted. Really was not in the prospect discussion until last year, until he started putting up those really good numbers in AAA. And even then, he was never really seen as a prospect prospect. So good to see him come up and take advantage, uh, even if he's he's a guy that's not going to be a starter with this many people in front of him. But it's good to see a guy like that and have those types of stories on your roster. I tend to agree with you. I'm not super shocked at a lot of them. Uh, Matt Joyce over Adam Duvall. I mean, you saw Thursday why it was a good thing. Uh, Matt Joyce enters the Braves in style with a home run. But as far as Josh Tomlin, I strongly urge you guys not to get too excited over Josh Tomlin having a good spring training outing. Uh, Josh Tomlin was the worst pitcher in baseball in twenty seven in twenty eighteen. Literally, I, you're you're not even exaggerating. Like we think we think Julio yeah. gives up a lot of home runs. Josh Tomlin gave up twenty in like seventy innings. It was either seventy innings or ninety innings, but he gave up twenty home runs in under a hundred innings. That is horrifically bad pretty bad i will say this about tomlin you know his his 2018 like you're absolutely not exaggerating he was he was terrible literally literally he was the worst pitcher in baseball and even even when he was and he had a really solid solid but you know just solid average um tenure for a really long time uh but the thing that i like about him like he he was he was never great but he was always good but he does not walk anybody. We're talking like Greg Maddox esque walk rates. And yeah, by the way, uh, I was not wrong on the innings. On the I, it was seventy and a third innings. 
20 home runs? Yeah. I mean, that's that's not good, but at least... That's good for 3.2 homers per nine. Okay, yeah, that's that's real bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's real bad. Yeah, by but, the way, 20... I was actually, I undersold it. 25 home runs in seven. That's even third. worse. That's way worse. But... You know, at least he's not walking guys. He's making guys beat him. Now, it doesn't <laughs> right. sound like it's... Making guys it beat him, but they are beating him is the problem. They are beating the shit out of him, but at least he's not giving them away. You know, so I don't know. And and I, I think, you know, when you look at a guy like Tomlin, and even when you look at look at a guy like Jackson, um, I, I don't think that, that either of these guys are necessarily long for this roster, especially after today. I'd, I'd be surprised if, if there wasn't some type of... Um, How much would you pay to be Craig Kimbrell's agent right now? Uh, what whatever percentage he's getting off the top, I think just went up like two percent. He uh, Kimbrel, I have to imagine, is is even for even for not wanting to go to three years. I think that that he still is going to wind up here eventually. You know what I mean? Just because it's it's very clear there are glaring weaknesses. This is a good Braves team, man. But if there's like one just sticking out like a sore thumb aspect of this team. It is most assuredly the bullpen. So um, I think that, I think that there's, there's a good chance that that Kimball winds up here. I don't have any Intel. I don't know anything. So, uh, but if the third year is the hang up, you know, maybe, maybe we'll regret it in, in 2021, but that's for 2021 us to worry about. Right. You know what I like mean? You st- like, like, I know we want to look to the future, but you do have to take care of this year too. Yeah. Like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to bog the team down in some super horrible contract, but I mean, can we get the dude back here? You know, what, would it be the worst thing to, to, to give Craig Kimball just a little too much money, you know? And, and we, we kind of talked about, uh, in, in the first segment, like just sometimes the name, like we didn't add Adam Adovino or Zach Britton or any of those guys, but more, not even more important, but kind of important in this thing is the name. If you're a batter, you know you, that Adam Adovino can unleash something. Even if he's not all the way on his game, he can unleash something that's going to make you look like a fool. Ask Dansby. Same thing with Andrew Miller when he signed with the Cardinals. Same thing with Zach Britton. And same thing with Craig Kimbrell. Like, subpar Craig Kimbrell in 2019 is still pretty damn good. And part of that has to do with the fact that these guys know they are facing Craig Kimbrell. So, uh, no more Luke Jackson, please. (laughs) Just no more of that, please. Yeah, just I don't don't care. And I I love anybody who's got the tomahawk on. I like I have a deep soft spot for them. Okay, like I I'm over here trying to find ways to defend Kenshin Kawakami, um, but I hate Luke. Jackson you didn't find any, by the way, did you? What's that? You didn't find any way to to defend him though, did you? Oh no 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 no. I I the uh, like Luke Jackson and Brandon Kniff are are basically on the same tier of hated Braves for me. <laughs> so um, and that says a lot. Because I really could not stand Brandon Kniff. If my hatred for him burns, it's like a, a thousand suns. So, um, anyway, that's my tirade. Can we, can we please just sign Craig freaking Kimbrell, please, like now? I mean, it, it's, it's got to happen at some point. There's just – there's a lot of – like I said, there's a lot of guys who can be in the bullpen. There's not anybody who you look at that's elite. Maybe Sabatka, uh, but you're a little troubled – by the control issues he had in the spring. I still love me some Sabaka, uh, but we'll see what happens there. Hopefully hopefully they can bring Kimbrell in. I still don't think that it that it fixes the narrative of the offseason because 
I don't think that there is any fixing it at this point because you did have multiple opportunities to upgrade and you didn't, but the off season's over. So you got to put that behind you now. So now you got to look towards what can you do now to make the team better? And we'll see. Um, but again, it's, it's just the first game folks. The Braves are going to win a lot of games this year. They're going to lose a few games too, guys, because it's, it's just, it's an intense division. Everybody but the Marlins has a good squad. So it's going to be a tight race. So there, there's going to be these games sometimes. Um, but as it is, I mean, it, We've talked about this with uh, with Gabe last week. It really is an extremely tight, not just a tight NL East. The NL as a whole is a very, very good league this year. The Marlins are are probably the worst team by far in the National League. Uh, you look over to the AL, and it's really not much different. I think uh, the AL has the most talented teams, but the NL has more depth. Speaking of that, though, since it is the first day, opening day, in the spirit of things, I think we're going to go ahead and open the vault and do some predictions right now. So we're not going to do everything, obviously. We're just going to do division winners, playoff winners, World Series, yada, 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 a couple of, of singular awards. We're not doing comeback player of the year or anything like that. Uh, we're not doing reliever of the year, none of that nonsense. So without further ado, Doc, give me your NL division winners. Uh, for the NL, I have the Nationals winning the East. I have the Cardinals winning the Central, the Dodgers winning the West. A uh, wild card, I have Brewers as WC1 and Braves as WC2. Uh, for the American League, I have Yankees in the East, Indians in the Central, uh, Astros in the West, and then Red Sox and Twins as my wild card teams. Interesting. You- You're going with the Cardinals over the Cubs and the Brewers. Yeah, um, between Goldschmidt and Miller, I think there's just something about St. Louis. It's been a while since they were really good, and they're one of those teams like the Giants where you just stop paying attention for a second. It's like, oh, yeah, these guys are still kind of always here. you know. So I, I, can, I can see a resurgent year. And um, Brewers, I, I, I still really like the Brewers a lot, and I, but I just I think that St. Louis, there's going to be something in the water. It's that Goldie extension. It's got got me thinking about you know having Carpenter and Goldschmidt um, in in the lineup together, and, and that just I see as being incredibly dangerous. And there's so many questions about the Cubs pitching. So that, who was uh, it? Who was it? By the way, you had uh, you had Washington, St. Louis, the Dodgers. Who else did you have? Uh, in the NL, I had Brewers and Braves as uh, wild card. Okay, and then uh, Yankees, Indians, Astros for division winners. And uh, Red Sox twins for wild card. What you got? Uh, this one's going to be weird. I guess I'll start with the NL. I think I'm going to go as much as I hate to say this. I'm going to go Philadelphia wins the East. Uh, I'm going to say Milwaukee wins the Central. I'm going to say the Dodgers. Obviously, um, this is the part that don't hate me, guys. But I'm going to say Washington wins the first wild card. Say St. Louis gets the the second wild card. I'm with you. I like what that team has done, uh, and I, I think the. I think the Braves are going to be just out of it. Not, not because I think the Braves are a bad team. I said I think the Braves are an 87 win team, and I'm, I think that they are an 87 win team. Unfortunately, I think the NL is so close as far as records that I'm, I'm not sure if 87 is going to get you into the wild card round. Uh, that that's how tight I think it is. Uh, as far as the American League, I'm going to go with Boston. I know everybody's picking the Yankees to be resurgent in that division. But I don't see the I don't see Boston as getting progressively worse. The only players that they really lost were Kimbrell and Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly wasn't really that important. Kimbrell was on a downside anyway. They kept all their position guys. I, I'm a big believer in Boston. I think that they repeat in that division. 
Um, I think Cleveland is the easiest team to pencil in as a division winner. Yeah. But maybe if, if maybe if Minnesota got lucky, like they did two years ago, maybe they could creep that division out, but it's highly, highly doubtful. Cleveland should be able to walk to that division crown. Uh, Houston. I'm going to pick again. I just think that uh, I think that they are, they're still a cut above in that division. I'm expecting Oakland to regress fairly heavily this year. Seattle's a good team, but I don't think that they're they're on that level that can beat Houston. And I don't when I say Seattle, Seattle's a good team. I don't think that they're like a top tier team right now. I think they're kind of stuck in the middle. So I think Houston has a fairly easy road back to the playoffs. As far as wild card goes, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Yankees and the Rays as wild cards one and two. I think the AL East gets three teams in. I can I can absolutely see that. And and I I was it was down to the Rays and the Twins for me. The reason I chose Twins is actually because they get uh, fifty seven games against the the, <laughs> White, the, Sox, Tigers, the White Sox. The Tigers. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's a good point. I thought about that too. I just think the Rays have a lot going for them, uh, and they do get to beat up on Baltimore and, and Toronto, so they get some pretty easy games too. That's true. That one's tough. I like the Twins. I just like the Rays as a team better. Um, who do you have going to? I'm not. I don't even care about saying who's going to go to the NLDS and ALDS. Uh, tell me who you've got in the World Series. Uh, I have the Astros beating the Dodgers in the World Series. It'll be a repeat of uh, two years ago. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say this is a little bit differently this year. I'm going to say that the Red Sox go back to the World Series again because I'm a firm believer in what they've done. Um, as far as the NL team, I think I'm going to pick St. Louis. I know I've got them as a wild card, but I do think they're a team that's going to match up pretty well. A lot has to go right for their rotation. Like they have to stay healthy, but as far as the depth of what they have, they're good everywhere. They're not, I don't know that I'd say that they're great anywhere, but they are good. And you talk about a one, two in the lineup that has Goldschmidt and Matt Carpenter. It's very, very good. They've got a lot of pieces. Marcelo Zuna as well. Harrison Bader is one of the best, if not the best defenders in in baseball right now. Paul DeYoung can crank out 30 bombs. If they stay healthy, that St. Louis team is good. In fact, I might regret not picking them to win the NL Central. Um, But I do think I'm going to say it's the Red Sox beat the Cardinals. I can I can see it and and like you're you're making the same arguments that, that I'm running through my head when I'm thinking about the Cardinals going man they really are kind of good everywhere they got and kind of sneaky is, good like I think yeah. last year was more I don't want to say it was bad luck because they did have some dumb roster decisions on there especially their rotation but I kind of think like last year was more of a fluke year for them not fluke in that they didn't deserve that they deserve to be really good but fluke in that it's that rare year where the Cardinals just weren't good and and even and playing in in that division as well, you know, when you've got the uh, you've got the Cubs and you got the Brewers, just kind of. By the way, how out. about neither of us picking the Cubs to go to the playoffs? I know that's it's weird to think. Like, is, is their window closing already? I mean that that. I mean, we just had a team with Javi Baez, Chris Bryant uh, is not, and uh, Anthony, Rizzo Anthony Rizzo is not yeah. going to the playoffs. That once again paints. Uh, paints a picture about their pitching. Like even if you Darvish comes back and and he's anywhere near serviceable, then there's still questions everywhere. You know, you you've got Cole Hamels and they just they lock down Kyle Hendricks, but like you know, Tyler Chetwood was a catastrophe. Their last bullpen year. does not inspire a lot of confidence. 
Right. So, and, and I think that you have a lot more answers with a team like St. Louis or Milwaukee uh, than you do with the Cubs. I do have the Cubs finishing third, and it breaks my heart to say that I've got the Reds finishing fourth in that division, just because I I love I love what they did. I, I'm I'm pulling for them to make some noise. They're really division. a team that I think that they may finish fourth as well. But they're a team that I'm not going to be surprised if they really make some noise in that division. They their lineup, even even with Scooter out. They they have the capacity to to really do some damage and and they finally got a little bit of pitching you know and right. you could if the the three teams ahead of them weren't going to be so brutal then you could you could see them doing better in a different division but uh, but as it stands now I mean uh, they and the Pirates are probably going to be etched in fourth and fifth oh, I for, think the Pirates are easily the the worst team in that division oh, top sure, to bottom sure, uh, sure as far as let's say who do you have for rookie of the year. Uh, rookie of the year in the AL. Um, when I'm making these, I'm looking at them like I'm picking Astros for everything. Which my my first thought was, I bet Forrest Whitley's going to come up and do it. So, um, it, but then I, you just keep coming back to Vlad Jr. I mean, he's going to see some time. And I mean, Vlad Guerrero, they don't just give out eighty tools, you know, on on a whole lot. And they pipeline has never given an eighty on a hit tool. I mean, he is he's elite. So I think Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, in the AL for for sure. Uh, do, do you have the same? I'm going to say Eloy for one reason. I think that Vlad is going to get pigeonholed. But I think Vlad's the guy who's going to put up way better. I think he's going to put up way better like value fantasy wise than he is real wise. Mostly because I think he's going to be pigeonholed as a DH. I don't think he's going to get a lot of time playing in the field. Uh, I, and I think that that's going to hurt him as far as rookie of the year votes go. It's almost like when's the last time, like do relievers ever win rookie of the year? No. So I, I think that a DH is going to be kind of the same. I think him and Eloy are going to have similar profiles. Vlad hits for better average. No doubt about it. Uh, they hit for similar power, but I think Eloy is going to have a little bit of an edge because he's going to have more time. And I think Eloy is going to put out such monster home runs and he's going to play some of the field too. And I think that that's going to be the slight advantage for Eloy. I can see this going down to the wire. I won't be shocked if Vlad wins it. I'm just going to, I've rolled with Eloy so long. I've been such a, an Eloy jock rider that I'm going to keep it going. Well, and for Vlad as well, like they can't just come out and, you know, call him up as soon as he's eligible to be called up and then put him at third because they've been saying he needs to work on his defense. And he does, yeah. by the way, those aren't fake things. His defense oh, is no, good. He does. He absolutely does. And he's in an AL team where it's okay if he DHs and a better defensive third baseman plays there. So it, I'm I'm curious to see if there's any lingering effects on that injury. But Eloy's a really good call too, you know. And and he doesn't have to kind of toil away in the minors. I mean, he's already he's got his extension. He's already up. So it might take him a second to kind of get going, you know. Whether whether that's just because he's a um, a slow starter or, or because he's just acclimating to a completely different baseball environment. But Eloy can hit some tanks. I mean, we're, we're talking, we're talking like, about he, by the way, he Roy Hobbs multiple times, not just once he did it multiple times. Oh yeah. I mean, and I, I, when, as soon as that happened, you know, my, my brother and I, we, we grew up watching the natural and he doesn't follow baseball at all. And, but I'd send him that clip. I'm like, you've got to see this guy. And he's like, Oh my God. Roy Hobson, by the way, is hitting a ball and, and breaking a light. Yeah. Just seeing, seeing it shatter. And I can hear the theme from the natural playing, like as, as that video is of Eloy busting out the lights is, uh, is playing in my head. So it's glorious. If you guys haven't seen the natural in a long time or some of the youngins who listen to us, if you've never seen it, 
Uh, go watch it. It's pretty amazing. All right, that's for the AL. What about the NL? Uh, I've I have been saying this since last year. I think Tuki Toussaint, and that's really? probably the the homer in me. I got got Tuki for Rookie of the Year. I think he's going to come up and be kind of like uh, Swiss Army knife or uh, Haitian Army knife, as it were. And uh, I think that he's going to pitch out of the bullpen some. I think he's going to start some. You look at the progression; it's almost similar to Sean Newcomb. Like if if you look at Newcomb when he was in Double A, he was missing by a lot. And then he was in AAA, and he was missing by less. And then, but believe it or not, by the time he got to the majors, he was missing even less. It was like he was shrinking his own zone, right? And it's the same thing with Tukey. Like, it's easy to get hung up on the fact that he was, he was, you know, flying a rocket by the time he came out of Mississippi, and he was killing it in Gwinnett, and flashed some really brilliant stuff by the time he got to the majors. But he's still got a little, little ways to go. I don't think it's a bad thing that he's starting in, in Gwinnett at all. Um, just to kind of find his bearings and and lock in on the fastball command that he was saying that he was really trying to refine over the the off season. and I think he comes up and even if the numbers don't necessarily support him being as elite as he will appear, like you've seen the curveball, you've seen him when he's on, you know what it's like. I mean, he's Tuki Toussaint is appointment level television when it, when he's pitching at his best. And uh, I think ultimately that he, he winds up, I mean, he's got the ceiling for a legitimate true ace, number one type guy. And I think he starts to flash that this year. So, um, so that's my pick. Uh, who do you have for uh, rookie of the year? Well, mine is not going to be shocking. My real, my only question is who to pick from the same team, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. or Chris Paddock. It's going to be one of those two. Uh, I'm going to say Fernando Tatis Jr. just because it's easier for a position player to win a rookie of the year. But I think both of those guys are so far above their years and their experience level. And I think Tukey, I think Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson, they're all going to be very, very good this year. I think they're all going to be great pieces for the Braves. Um, I just happen to think that I'm not going to be shocked if Fernando Tatis is an all-star in his first year. When you talk about that guy, that guy, it just he just knows how to hit, and he hits the ball so hard when he makes contact. And Chris Paddock, Chris Paddock is a guy that he might get himself a double-digit strikeout game this year. In fact, I'll be shocked if he does not get a 10-strikeout game. Chris Paddock is a monster. and he He's starting Sunday, for, by the way. He's starting Sunday, the same day Kyle Wright is. He was traded for Fernando Rodney. Now, let, let's talk, let's talk for, about that. Tatis Fernando, was traded for James Shields. I know, like. Say what you want about AJ Preller, that's that's some copy level. Can stuff, by the right? way, can both of us agree that AJ Preller is going to be our manager of the year? Wait, or, or uh, front office executive of the yeah, year? Yeah, yeah, front office exec executive yeah, of the year. I mean, if that if that hits, I mean that's um, that's a major major sequence of trades for for this this current team. I mean that's that's pretty unbelievable. And uh, and Paddock, I mean he was. He was a Marlins farmhand, just like many others that, that were sent away and then and wound up becoming something fantastic. So do you see the video of uh, Andy Green coming out and telling Paddock yeah, mid-game? it was awesome. That, well, he that, actually, he asked Hosmer, hey, what, uh, what, do you th- what, uh, what do you think we're doing with him? And Hosmer's like, I think we'll see him Sunday. That's awesome. And you could, you could see that Paddock is trying really hard to not just – be completely overly expressive, but I mean, what a cool moment! What a really, I, I love seeing stuff. And like well that. deserved. Yeah. Paddock was an absolute monster during spring training. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he he earned it. He absolutely earned it. And this wasn't just because San Diego doesn't have a ton of options. Like 
even if they had a ton of options, that there would be a legitimate talk about whether or not he would have made it. So, and sometimes just playing the service time game with with guys like Tatis and guys like Patty, like it, it doesn't pay off. I think and we should one, say good job, by the way, to AJ Preller and to Brody Van Wagenen again. I mean, Pete Alonso made the opening day roster, so it's good to see these young guys really get what they deserve, and they deserve to be up. So. Like you and I both expect this this service time loophole to be done away with by the new CBA, so it's good to see some teams get out in front of it and just say, "Ah, screw it. They're better players. Let's just get them up now." Yeah, yeah. I, I think the the winds of change are kind of blowing with that, and and it's about time. I mean, we hemmed and hawed last year about Acuna not being brought up, and hopefully there was no bad will that came out of that whole situation. Especially if things are changing now, that's. Uh, that's a loophole that's currently meant to be exploited and it needs to be, it needs to be addressed. All right. So we've got most of the stuff there. We've really only got two more left. Give me your Cy Young winners and give me your MVPs. Uh, Cy Young in the AL. I've got Garrett Cole. Um, I think that I, I don't know if he winds up resigning with Houston after this season, but I think that he's kind of primed to have a, have a real breakout year. Um, in the National League, I, I am a huge, huge Max Scherzer fan. I have said uh, many times that if I was going to build a team from scratch, uh, Scherzer would be the first pitcher that I took. Uh, he's just, and as you saw today, went seven plus with uh, with twelve strikeouts. I mean, he's obviously an easy one there. But um, I, I don't know if if I necessarily think it's going to be him, or I think it might be somebody a little younger, maybe like uh, Walker Bueller, or maybe even like Jack Flaherty. Flaherty's interesting because Flaherty's got got good stuff. He does. He he really does. And uh, you can kind of hinge St. Louis's season on his arm a little bit because if he takes a step forward, you know there was, um, you know Adam Wainwright's not. He's basically a a non factor at this point. Carlos Martinez is pitching out of the bullpen, so they need somebody to step up and be like that that next wave of a guy. So I think uh, Flaherty could be could be really huge for them. And Bueller, I mean. Bueller's ace in the making, you know? So like if you're the Dodgers and you got Kershaw and Hill out right now, and you can look at Bueller and say, you know what? We, we might be okay until, until these guys get back. So, uh, so that's what I got for Cy Young's for, uh, MVP. <sighs> Once again, I said, I was going heavy Astros. I've got Bregman, uh, and maybe Aaron judge. Trout, Trout's the easy one. What's like, it's, it's almost like almost, you need to say who's the MVP aside from Trout. Right. I mean, and Trout, even if he plays like an MVP, like how are you not going to win an MVP after you put up a 10-war season, which I fully expect him to do again. Um, but just, gotta, can we talk about how insane that is? I talked about Mike Trout about how you have to go to Mickey Mantle uh, to, to find a comparison, and somebody brought up Ken Griffey Jr., which you would think is an amazing comparison. Go look at those. Mike Trout has as many 10-war seasons as Ken Griffey Jr. has six. Okay, that's insane. Or I'm sorry, as many nine war. I got to qualify. As many nine war seasons as Griffey has six war seasons. That is, think about that for a second. The guy with the highest percentage of Hall of Fame vote, aside from Mariano Rivera, the second, the, the position player with the highest Hall of Fame voting per- percentage, and Mike Trout blows him away. I mean, we are, we are witnessing something really, really special. It's like watching Barry Sanders. Like, I know that... Um, I think that's a good call stuck on a bad team. So his numbers kind of get overlooked a little bit for those stupid people that think playoffs are the only thing that matter. Despite the fact that Robert Ori and Bruce Bowen have a ton of NBA rings. 
and that every player on a team gets a World Series ring or uh, NFL uh, Super Bowl ring or whatever. When you're looking at Mike Trout, you are looking at, gen- at gener- not just generational greatness. You're looking at all-time greatness. Yeah, it's it's freakish. It's really, really freakish. And and to look at look at guys like this, I mean, it almost it's almost hard to appreciate it while it's going on. Right. You know, because you almost have to find like you almost have to exclude them from the award a little bit. Otherwise, it would be them every single year. Right. So and in that same vein, I've got uh, Alex Bregman or Aaron Judge uh, getting the AL MVP. Um, I think. Judge is obviously set up for success uh, being a, a giant. You know those 20-foot-tall uh, people that live in Antarctica that I was talking about at the beginning of the episode? <laughs> Judge is a, uh, is a descendant of theirs? Yeah, he's like he's like their, their cousin or, or something. So, And, and he's playing in a, in a ballpark that's about the size of my backyard. So um, he's set up to do some really massive things. And, and even, even if he was a, a tiny man with that talent playing in somewhere like San Diego, I mean, he, he's like – he's still – tremendously talented and a lot of people hate him because he played for the Yankees, which I sympathize. I, I totally understand. Um, National League, uh, Christian Yelich and Ronald Cunha are my two front runners for it. I don't know for sure who it's going to be. I mean, Acuna, Acuna has a chance to be Trout-like, which is even, even being kind of similar to Mike Trout is like the biggest compliment I could give to somebody. But, I mean, you also saw what Yelich can do last year, and he just – that guy is unbelievable. Would have loved, loved for Anthopolis to get way too aggressive in bringing in Yelich uh, last offseason. Yeah, but that so, would have costed you Acuna, so I'm glad that they didn't. Right, right. And uh, and according to Joe Frisaro, then uh, – Who, by the way, cost- can, can eat a bag of dicks. Oh, I I absolutely hate that guy. I hate him like I hate Brandon Kniff and Luke Jackson. So that's a very special tier of hatred. But, uh, oh, and uh, Dick Vitale is also in that. Um, he's such a nice guy, tier. though. He's such a nice person. I can't hate Dick Vitale. I hate listening to him, but you want to talk about a nice person. Dickie V is, is about as good of a guy as you'll ever meet. I'm sure, but why is he yelling at me about everything? <laughs> Not everything has to be a diaper dandy. That's very, that's very true. Uh, right, I don't so think mine are. Who's your Cy Young and your and your MVP? I don't think mine are a whole lot different. AL Cy Young is going to be tricky. I think I'm going to go Chris Sale. I know hard pick yeah. there. Oh, really tough to decide. Uh, no, but I think no. I'm going to say Chris Sale. Uh, NL, I'm going to go Jacob Degrom. I don't think last year was an aberration. I think that that's just the next evolutionary step in Jacob DeGrom. If you guys saw him and Scherzer go at it today, DeGrom didn't have his best stuff for like four innings, and yet he was still flat-out dominant, so I think that he's going to repeat. MVPs are going to be a little bit tighter. I like your Bregman pick in the AL. I think that that's a really good one. Obviously, with with the caveat that it should be Mike Trout, and it probably will be. But aside from Mike Trout, Bregman's probably that next choice. He he's a guy that he's already a star. He's about to break into that cusp of superstardom, uh, and I, I I will be shocked if he doesn't do that this year. NL, I'm going to say Ronald Acuna easily. I think Ronald is going to put up close to a ten WAR season, uh, and I think he's going to walk away with it. I think Yelich will get some votes, and I think Yelich will put up probably an eight WAR season. But I think Acuna is going to go thirty thirty this year. I think he's going to hit over three hundred. And I, th- I think that this is going to be – this is just going to be the start of something different with Ronald Acuna. I think he wins the, the MVP award pretty easily. I, I can absolutely see it. There, there's After having Tukey for Rookie of the Year, and, and I've got my 
You just didn't want to go all Braves everything? Right. Like, if I'm not careful, then my entire list is just going to be Braves and Astros. So, um, you one know, thing and, we didn't get by the way. One, one other one that we didn't get to manager of the year. Who's your manager of the year? Uh, National League, I've got Dave Martinez, uh, from the Nationals because I think that, um, I've got them winning the division. I think that he's, he's a pretty easy, he's an easy guy to pull for. And strangely enough, the Nationals are nearly as hateable now that Bryce is playing in a different city. Uh, so they wouldn't surprise me if, um, if Martinez took it for them. And in the AL, I've got uh, Rocco Baldelli for the Twins. Uh, I, I think there's some some definite course correction coming for them. Uh, and I think this is the year that Buxton finally breaks out, and that's going to make the Twins better, which will make Baldelli looks better or look better. And uh, not to mention, he is a huge Fish and Grateful Dead fan. Rocco is so uh, pulling pulling for him. We are everywhere. You got you got to stick with your own. Uh, I think I'm going to go in the AL. I'm going to go Kevin Cash. Um, I think he's going to have the Rays in prime contention again against two teams that are vastly superior on paper. Uh, I think Kevin Cash is just a phenomenal, phenomenal manager. The NL, you know, uh, usually the manager of the year comes from a team that makes the playoffs. I'm going to buck that trend. I'm going to say Andy Green. I think the Padres are going to make a huge jump. I don't think they make the playoffs. Uh, I think that at best, I think they're an 82 win team at absolute best. Uh, I don't, I don't really even think that that they're that I think 78 would be a better target for them, but I think that they're going to do well enough with all of those young guys that are going to pitch really well between Eric Lauer, who got the opening day start today. Uh, Chris Paddock, I think is going to be dominant Fernando Tatis jr. I think that they're going to surprise enough people that Andy green is going to finally get some recognition for just how good of a manager he is. Good call. That that's a really good call, and they they can make some noise. I mean, they've got they're not too far behind the Braves as as far as their timeline for having all of that young talent spill over onto the the major league roster. So they've already got Tatis, they've already got Paddock, they got Luis Urias coming coming really soon. There's there's reinforcements coming in San Diego, and uh, and Green's just a good manager. He's really really likable really uh, well loved in that clubhouse they have machado as well so they've got some eyes on them so i think andy green's gonna do good um but we do gotta we gotta hurry this up we're actually running way longer than we thought uh so we're gonna get to our contest winner here in a second but before we do gotta mention my buddies at mybookie.ag uh mybookie.ag if you like to lay lines anywhere if you like to uh make the baseball season even more exciting uh, mybookie.ag has all the best lines like we've uh, we've said before if you want to say that Ronald Acuna hits more than 30 home runs mybookie.ag has that lined up right now as the over under uh, if you think you know more than the sharps do in Vegas then go to mybookie.ag use our promo code Braves25 and get a 50% initial deposit match so you can play with a little bit of extra money on the house if you think like us if you're listening to us talk and you think that uh, uh, AJ Preller is going to be GM of the year they probably got a line for that they've got easy Easy customer service. They're easy to get a hold of. They're great people, will, happy and willing to explain everything to you. Uh, you can run parlays, prop bets, whatever you need. MyBookie.ag has it. Go to MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag. Use our promo code BRAVES25. So Doc and I have been running this contest for a while now. We mentioned in the first segment how much we've enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed everybody's contributions. Uh, I'm, I'm really not just blowing smoke. This has been the hardest contest I've judged. Like I really enjoyed every single person's video. Uh, from the first cut, I didn't really want to cut anybody from the first cut of it. I thought everybody did great. Uh, the second cut, I loved everybody's videos on that too. Uh, but Doc and I have been talking. Um, Doc, why don't you make the announcement? You're going to put this on me, huh? I am. I'm going to make you the bad guy here. 
Uh, that's that's fine. Well, um, yeah, I echo the same sentiment. We've we've loved doing this, and we're we're absolutely going to do something like this again. I mean, I'm I'm pretty jealous of the fact that that you're going to wind up getting to uh, do this episode with the, with a contest winner because that means that I, I don't get to do the episode with the with the contest winner. So, uh, special congratulations to the winner of the contest, Mr. Jordy Phillips. Congratulations of uh, the uh, week of May the fifteenth. Don't make plans for either that Wednesday or Thursday night because you will be uh, recording with Dylan while I am either in Italy or Antarctica. So uh, congratulations. Uh, we, we really uh, loved your videos, loved everything, um, everything that you said. And uh, so congratulations. Uh, you, you will get your Platinum Sobrero uh, guest hosting badge. Uh, we, will, we will make something for you for that um and for our other finalists by the way by the way i feel like i need to jump in uh i'm also going to have a first alternate in case for some other from for some unknown reason we need an alternate sam dawkins is going to be my first alternate and there you go so sam unfortunately you're the understudy you can't uh, you can't make plans for that week either so uh but special thanks to sam and and also chris mclemore who are our other uh finalists you guys are you guys are awesome and we will eventually get you on the show as well so um, when we do wind up opening uh, opening another contest up soon, we hope to hear from just as many of you guys uh, as we heard from this time. The response was overwhelming. And, uh, you know, it makes me feel good about the fact, you know, we, we did all this in, in the offseason. You know, like I was expecting our our numbers to to uh, be pretty much rubbish the entire, entire time there was no baseball going on. And but. they were actually we actually grew considerably. It's kind of weird. Uh, you know, we thank you guys so much for, for sticking with us for, I think it's been five months since sale struck out Machado to end the world series. And, uh, you know, we've all been waiting for, for this exact day to, to come and, and, uh, thank you for spending it with us. So, um, now we got a ton to talk about, I've, you know, we, you and you endured, uh, episodes talking about Dylan's playlist and us arguing about grunge music and, <laughs> and all and all types of stuff. So thank you guys genuinely. And uh, Jordy, like I said, don't make plans for the week of May the 15th. Or Sam. And again, I'm just going to echo Doc's sentiments there. Thank you guys so much. It really has been a joy. Uh, really, really appreciate all the listeners involved. Uh, really makes it, makes it even more fun. I mean, we would talk about this stuff anyway, but uh, the reception that we get from you guys, it really is awesome. It makes, it makes the shows that much more fun to put out there. So, uh, Thank you guys so much for for making us one of uh, one of your favorite podcasts, and uh, we hope to continue to do a good job for you guys. Uh, as always, we love it when we hear from you guys, and so always feel free to drop us a line. But we are dangerously close to putting out too long of a show this week. Um, so that being said, get, uh, everybody gets set. Round two starts on Saturday. Bryce Wilson gets his start against Nick Pavetta. Hopefully, we see a much better outcome there. Um, Doc. As always, sir, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for joining me on this epic adventure. Uh, always a pleasure. And um, next week we'll have to record on Wednesday because I get to go see Max Freed or TBD. And I'm very jealous. I'm very jealous of you. Wednesday should work next. So uh, everybody out there again, thank you guys for listening to this. Uh, we will catch you guys next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down. Not the best around. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down. Not the best around. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down. Not the best around. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down. Not the best around. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down.
Thanks, bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.